to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I'm going to preach a message that uh, I've actually preached before. Thank you. Uh, it's been a while. I had one of those weeks where I said... Um, Okay, Lord, you got to preach Sunday. And usually by Thursday, I have my message done. Well, Thursday came and went. I said, Lord, it's Friday. Sunday's coming. And, and, and nothing. And I think it was like in the Friday night or Saturday. I thought I said, Lord, I mean, am I living right? Is there something wrong? I just can't get that inspiration. I've been doing this for 31 years. So I began to, I feel like the Lord began to deal with me, and I went over and, and got this message. I figure singers can re-sing a song, preachers can re-preach a, a sermon, right? I mean, it's the same thing. It's the word of the Lord. And most of you have not heard this. You don't remember what I preached two weeks ago. So anyway, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5. I've called this the God of the breakthrough. And, and I want to preach. We're going to have an altar call, and what I want to encourage you to do is when we give an altar call, I'm going to bring everybody down. You just get to a prayer partner and let God do something powerful in your life. Today, I believe, is going to be the day of breakthrough. How many like to have a breakthrough in your life? So here's, here's the story. 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning verse 17. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? Excuse me. And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal Perizim. You notice he didn't say the Valley of Rephaim. I'm going to show you that in a minute. He went to Baal Perizim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. And therefore he called the name of that place. Baal Perizim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, and God said to him, You shall not go up, don't go like a frontal assault, but circle around behind them, do a flanking maneuver, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. This is so cool. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the top of the mulberry trees. Then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you. I thought y'all were Pentecostal. Y'all missed your your cue right there. The Lord will go out before you. Yeah, you're getting it. To strike the camp of the Philistines, and, and David did so as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Giva, Giba as far as Gezer. This makes me think of an old geezer. Don't you love the names in the Bible, right? All right, thanks. Sit down. Thanks for respecting the word. Uh, let's just let's just jump into this here. It's, so when you read the Bible, sometimes it's trying to understand the Bibles. You, you can read it, but it's understanding it is the part that can be difficult. So let me see if I can help us to get a context for this. Uh, David had been anointed king over Israel. Jerusalem had been captured and was now the capital of Israel. David was 30 years old. David had a large royal family. He had an impressive palace to live in, and the hand of God was on his life. Now, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And do you know a lot of you can identify with this? You may not be a king, 
but you, you have a good job, you have a good life, you have a home to live in. Uh, if you had a roof over your head and you had heat this morning, you had more than most of the world. I can take you to Honduras and Guatemala and show you some places where the, the houses they live in are your, your tool sheds. So we're blessed. You have a great family, a large family, and the hand of God is on your life. Everything's going great for David except for one problem, and it was called the Philistines. The Philistines, this, this group of people in Canaan were the arch enemies of Israel. Okay, they were, they were, they were Darth Vader and, you know, the imperial forces, they're the bad guys. And, and they were a ubiquitous obstacle and an impediment to David fully enjoying his life. They were everywhere. There's just all the time. He's trying to enjoy his reign and trying to enjoy. And then the Philistines show up, always aggravating. So David determined it was time to deal with the Philistines. How many know sometimes you got to deal with your problem instead of running from it? So David decides to deal with it. Well, he's thinking about dealing with them, and they decided to deal with him. And so they find out that he's the king, and they come against him in opposition. Uh, this is, like, really crazy. He's called by God to lead Israel. He stepped into his divinely appointed destiny. Now the enemy shows up. Now, I'll get into that to a minute, but let me just say this to you. Anytime you attempt to pursue God, anytime you attempt to go deeper with God, anytime you attempt to get your miracle, to get your breakthrough, anytime you attempt to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you need to know the enemy is going to show up and resist you. He doesn't just sit back in a lazy boy and say, well, go at it. I don't really care. No, he is the, he's the adversary of our soul. I, I talked to a pastor yesterday, and, and I said, I don't understand. We've been here 21 years. This last month, we celebrated our 21-year birthday as a church. And I said, I don't understand why God well, I won't put God in it. I was going to say allows, but he does allow. But why Satan, let's just put it back on the devil. Why the devil targets me and targets my wife. My wife went through 2019, six months fighting C. diff because she took too many antibiotics. And, I mean, just battling for her life for six months. And, and the enemy just comes against us. I said, I don't understand that. And, and in high praises, why does he hate our church so much? I don't understand. I mean, we're in Anderson, y'all. It's not Atlanta. We're not in Charlotte. We're not even in Greenville. We're Ander Anderson, you know. We got L.A., Lower Anderson. That's about as big as we get, right? So that's as close to L.A. we'll ever get. It's just why. I don't understand. And I, sometimes I've questioned. But then if I reflect and I listen to the Holy Spirit, I know why. Because God raised this church up to be a church that doesn't, not fill with people who play church and are a social club, and are Christians in name only, but this is a place where you come, and you find Jesus, and you get saved, and you leave your sins, and you serve the Lord, and you live right, and you're the real deal, and you, and you don't practice sin, and we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and people get clothed with the power of God, and they go out into the ministry, and they do the things God's called them to do, and we build churches around the world, and do missions, and we help the needy, and we shine the light of Jesus, and the devil says, I don't want you doing all that. I'm going to fight you and try to resist you and try to stop you. And so it's just the enemy. We have a bullseye on our back. I have a bullseye. You have a bullseye on you. If you're going to serve the Lord, you have a bullseye on you because the devil is going to attack you. Somebody gave us the greatest compliment in the world one time. They said, you cannot go to church at high praises and ride the fence. I said, that's the greatest compliment we've ever received. They said, you either got to live for the Lord or else if you're going to live for sin, you're going to have to leave. 
They said, you can't stay there because you're going to feel the Holy Ghost conviction and you're going to hear the word of the Lord and you're going to hear God deal with your sins Sunday after Sunday. And you either got to get saved, you just got to say, we're going somewhere else. Well, you know what? I'd rather have a church like that than some church that scratches your back and tickles your ears and you're still living in sin. And when you die, you split hell wide open. No, I'm going to challenge you to give your life to Jesus and repent and be the light and the salt and live for God boldly and courageously like we're supposed to do. The righteous are as bold as a lion, the Bible says. And so the enemy is going to come against you anytime you try to go after the Lord. Don't be shocked. Rather, expect it. Jesus was attacked by Satan in the wilderness when he fasted and when he, when he was stepping out into full-time ministry. I think it's interesting that the Philistines targeted David alone. They sent out search parties. I call them assassination squads. They wanted to catch him alone and terminate him because they knew that if they could kill him, then they could, if you kill the leader, then you destroy the nation. And I have a master's degree in leadership, so I understand leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. This is true in business, education, government. It's true in the church. That's why so many churches have failed because we've taken so much time to do everything else, but we haven't trained our leaders. And so they said, we can take David out. And I know that in the enemy in 21 years has come against me time and time and time again. I preached on the spirit of Jezebel a few weeks ago, and, and I talked about the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel will try to control a preacher. If she can't control the preacher, she'll try to kill the preacher. She'll get people to stir up against him and try to destroy him. And if she can't destroy the preacher and kill the preacher and control the preacher, she'll try to run him off. And I've seen churches where pastors faced a demonic spirit and there was an obstacle there. And instead of fasting and praying and coming against it, they, were, they took such a hit that they resigned and said, I quit. And they left. And the enemy won. I'm going to be transparent for you. Last year, there were times when I had some difficult moments in pastoring this church. There was a point I told Leah. Leah looked at me. She said, you haven't been happy for a year. I pastor a good church. I mean, y'all are great. It's not like y'all are problem people, you know. Some of it was between my ears. And, I, and she said, you, I said, I'm not having, I told her at one point, I said, I'm not having fun anymore. This is not fun anymore. I got worried because when I don't have, you know, when you don't have fun anymore, that's, the, that's like verbiage that says, maybe it's time to go. Maybe God's releasing me. I know that's making some of y'all nervous, but maybe one or two of you think are disappointed. But anyway, I hope not. But, but, but I was going through this wrestling and struggling, and I found out the reason why some of that's happening is because you're in the heat of the battle. And, I, and you say, well, Pastor, why did you go through that? Because I love you. Because I have a vision for this church, and I'm not some hireling who just wants to get a check and preach on Sunday and then do my thing and let y'all do your thing and just try to keep everybody happy. You can't keep everybody happy. So I'm just going to be the man of God and preach the word and give the vision, and, and then whoever wants to jump on board, let's go and go do something for Jesus. So, you know, if... If you're fasting and you're praying and you're trying to get close to the Lord, you're trying to get a breakthrough, you're trying to get a miracle, the enemy's going to come against you. You're going to have a bullseye in your back. So David responded by um, going on the defense. And the Bible says he ran into a stronghold. What we would say is that he ran into a fort, okay? It's like, the Indians are coming. Get in the fort. So they ran into Fort Apache and they shut the gate and everybody got on the walls with their rifles and the Indians are going around, woo, 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 you know, the old westerns and they're circling the fort, shooting arrows and we're all holed up in the fort. Now here's the, you know, the problem with that. If that's what's happening spiritually, that's what was happening to David. Is David safe, right? I'm safe. Okay, they can't get in the fort. The problem is you got an enemy running all over your nation. 
That's what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to recede. The devil wants you to pull back in fear. He wants you to pull into a shell so he can have his way in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your finances, and you're just over here huddling in the corner saying, but don't touch me, don't touch me. Let me tell you something. you got a bloodline around you that the devil can't cross. He can't touch you because he can't cross the bloodline. You need to get that in your head so that you can get off of a defensive posture and get into an offensive posture and say it's time to go after the devil. And so the enemy, the enemy had David holed up in the fort, but he's running all over Israel. And David finally said, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm not made to be passive. How many of you know that Jesus said that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? You know, say, well, what does that mean that the devil comes against it? No, the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prove stronger than the kingdom of God. We're not in the fort with the gates shut and the enemy's coming at us. We fling over the gates and walk over the gates of hell and start pounding on the door saying, I'm coming in, devil, and I'm going to release every sinner through the gospel, and I'm going to win back every backslider through the gospel, and I'm going to heal the sick through the power of God, and I'm going to set drug addicts and alcoholics free through the power of the gospel. I'm coming after you, and you cannot stop me, devil. You understand that's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what we've got. We are not a country club. We are anointed, Holy Ghost anointed children of God with the divine authority. Exousia is a Greek word. The authority of a king. You try to oppose it, you got to oppose God. We need to know who we are. So David said, I've had enough of this. When the devil shows up, bad things start happening, people to give you grief. And you'll be momentarily rattled because you don't understand what is happening and you'll go into defense mode. But if I'm talking to you today, I'm here to tell you it is time to stop being defensive. It is time to go on the offense. And it is time to turn around and look your situation in the eye. Speak to your situation. Speak to the devil and say, I've had enough of you. I've had enough of the trouble that you're causing in my life. The trouble you're causing in my home. The trouble you're causing in my fair marriage. The trouble you're causing in my family. The trouble you're causing in my finances. The trouble you're causing in my health. The trouble you're causing in my job. And devil, I'm bringing the battle to you. And so you better get ready because it's time to make trouble for the devil, somebody. Come on. It's time to go on the offensive. So... David's preliminary action is he comes out of that stronghold and says, boys, I can't do this. Let's go beat, let's go beat up somebody. I love that. If I wasn't saved, I think I'd like that mentality. Every other day I'd say, let's just go beat up somebody. Isn't that terrible? Good thing the Lord saved me because I'd probably get beat up. David said, I'm a warrior. You're a warrior. You weren't made to hold up. You're not an ostrich. Don't stick your head in the sand. You're a warrior. Come on, I said you're a warrior. I, my, my brain's just flying right now. David's preliminary action was to go to God in prayer. If you're going to fight the devil, you better talk to Jesus before you talk to the devil. I don't really recommend talking to the devil, but if you're going to go against that thing in your life and speak against it, you better have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your problems. He'll hear your faintest cry. He'll answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer wheel turning, then you're going to know a little fire's burning. You'll find a little talk with Jesus and make it right. That sounds like a song. So David went to the Lord in prayer, and consequently he received a word from the Lord. So let me just show you something here. The way you defeat the enemies in your life, 
It's through the, the tools, the weapons that we have, and that's the word of God and prayer. For years now, I, I borrowed this from Loran Livingston. Loran Livingston impacted me with this when I was a college student. I've taught you this for 21 years, that if you're going to serve the Lord, come to church, give your tithes, do all, witness, do all the things. But if you're going to serve the Lord and live the victorious life, you've got to do two things. It's a little mantra. And for those of you who knew, we need to teach it to you. The rest of the church already, you already know where I'm going, don't you? Here we go. Ready? You want to do what we think? We've got to read and pray and pray and read and read and You got it. You got to talk to Jesus. That's prayer. And you got to read the Bible so he can talk to you. That's how you live the victorious Christian life. If you don't have a strong prayer life, you're going to have a weak spiritual life. If you don't talk to your wife but once a week on Sunday morning, your marriage will stink. You walking through the house, she says, hey, honey. Why aren't you talking to me? I'll see you Sunday. One hour, hour and a half. You go try that for about three days, you're on the couch. You might have a frying pan upside your head or be in a divorce court, right? You wouldn't treat your wife or husband that way. We can't treat God that way. We need to pray. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor. My Lord, come on now. Preach to us. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. I'll help myself. You got to get in the Word. Get out of book face. You know what I like to say, get out of Facebook and get into his book. If you spend three hours in Facebook, well, I'm too tired to read the Bible. Shame on you. Come on, Pastor, that's good preaching. Come on, just step all over our toes this morning. Well, I think I will. got to get in the Word. Okay, Facebook will rile you up, but the Word of God will change your life. Uh, I need to move on and get back to this. So David goes out to fight the Philistines, and they line up in the Valley of Rephaim. The la Valley of Rephaim really, literally means, in the Hebrew, the Valley of the Giants. The Valley of the Giants. This was an area about three or four miles southwest of Jerusalem, and the Philistines liked the valley of Rephaim because if you read in the scripture several times, they assembled there to battle the people of God, and it was the area where they felt confident. It was the area where they defeated Israel in certain times. It was, it was where they felt like giants. We're bigger than you. We're greater than you. We're more powerful than you. We have a history of beating you in this valley. Y'all fight us here again. We'll beat you down. We'll put a beat down on you one more time. You little sniveling. We'll beat you down. You know how people talk. Put a beat down on you. Whoop you. Down south, we whoop people. Okay? So they said, we're going to whoop you. Now, I'm going to pause right here before I go into the story because I believe the Valley of Rephaim is symbolic of any area in your life where you have to battle continually an enemy. It could be sickness or disease or a bondage or an addiction or it could be the devil himself or it could be whatever. It's that thin place in your life where you struggle to overcome. Everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about. Everybody. It's where you surrender the flesh or to the flesh, or to the world, or to sin, and then you feel sorry for it, and you repent, say, Jesus, please forgive me, and then you go back again, and you want to do better, but then 
it, you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and it's just, it pulls you down. It's where you walk in doubt more than you walk in faith. It's that weak place in your armor where you are most vulnerable. A stronghold in your mind. Something that somebody from your past said to you or did to you. You can't get past it. Could be a root of bitterness, a hurt. It could be a vice, a bad habit, a stronghold in your mind. Anyway, you may be serving the Lord and living right, but it's that one thing that keeps giving you trouble and bringing you down spiritually. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because I think if we're honest, all of us will say we've been there, and some of us need to be honest and say, Pastor, I'm there right now. Have you been watching me this week? No, but God does. And he knows the struggles that we have. But I've come here today to tell you in no uncertain terms that you do not, you do not have to live in the valley of the giants anymore. I've come here today to tell you that the God of the breakthrough is in this house. So here's the story. I want us to see how David experienced his breakthrough. David went on the offensive, stepping out in faith. God told him, go fight him. I'm gonna, you're going to win. He, he attacked the Philistines, and God gave him the victory, and it was such an overwhelming victory that David changed the name of the Valley of Rephaim to Baal Perizim, which means in the Hebrew, the Lord who breaks through. The Lord who breaks through. The word breakthrough here means the breaking through of water. And they actually, that's in the verse, the breaking through of water. It's like floodwaters, okay? It, it, it's, it's, it's like a powerful force. Some of you need to know today about the power of God. You, Whatever your circumstance in your life, listen to me. I'm trying to show you something. God's power is like the power when they open the sluice gates of the back of Hartwell Dam and millions of gallons of water come rushing down and go through down that river, I guess into Lake Russell, and it comes pouring out, and there is no way in, in the world that in your power that you can stand there and, and resist the power and the force of that water water. That's why when you're back there fishing or whatever and alarms go off when they're about to open, they always warn people with an alarm before they open the sluice gates because they know if anybody's back there, they're going to get swept away by the power of the water. You understand what I'm saying this morning? I wish you could get this picture in your mind. You think the cancer's too strong. You think the disease is too strong. You think the alcoholism has got a hold on you. You think those drugs have you and you try to go through rehab and do everything, but you can't get free. You think you can't get past the bitterness. You say, but I can't forgive them for what they've done. You listen to me. If you will just trust God and if you will just pray and if you'll let God do something and you open the door to God, God's power forcefully will come in and he will sweep away and defeat whatever it is that has a stronghold in your life. That's how powerful God is. You, it won't be able to stand in his, in his way. Just sweep it out. I was thinking about this. This is in my notes, but when I was studying, there is a, there's a verse in the Bible. I don't know. Maybe in, I don't know where it's at. It's in the Old Testament. Know that. So that's got it really, that, that's got it nailed down, doesn't it? It's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. But the verse goes like this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. 
the standard was the, the flag. You know, back in the days, they'd get a flag for their, the army, and the flags would flutter, you know, in the breeze and whatever. And that would, that would say, this is the army of, of, of England. This is the army of Scotland. This is the army of whatever. And they'd hold up their, their standard. And so that's what, the, who put the comma there? The translators. I mean, they just said, we've got to figure out how to break this verse up. And so they picked it. Take the comma out. I mean, a man put it there. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. That's what it says. So I'm going to put my own comma where I want it. Because it would really work well compared to what I just preached at Baal Parism. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will come in and raise up a standard against him and say, you, know, you can't resist me. You can't resist what I'm going to do, enemy. You are going to be defeated. See, by the power. And so David goes in and they defeat the enemy and it's all powerful and it's all awesome and, and he changes the name. And from that day forward, every time David and the Israelites passed that valley, they did not think about the times Israel lost battles. Rather, they were reminded about the time God gave them victory over the Philistines. Now, if you like garnet and black, bear with it. But in 2012, you'll rejoice here. 2012, Clemson Tigers got invited to go to the Orange Bowl. They went. And as we say down south, they got whooped. It was bad. Like 70 to, who cares? They got, they got, those West Virginia mountain boys took them to the woodshed. Those boys, they were beat. I, I heard this, I don't know if this is true or not, so it's gossip. That felt good. I'm just kidding. I was told that as the end, and if it's not true, then don't believe it. But that the fourth quarter was getting so bad that some of the Clemson players were looking at the West Virginia players saying, would you please just let up on us, back off. And they said, the West Virginia players later said, they said that to us, and we were like, yeah, that just made us want to beat them down even more. Ruthless people. From that day forward, after out of that Orange Bowl, if you said Orange Bowl to a Clemson fan, it was a memory of defeat. There was nothing joyful about it. It was, it, it was painful because it was a defeat, a horrible defeat. But two years later, they got invited back to the Orange Bowl. This time it was Ohio State. They don't seem to do well against us. And so they went back to the Orange Bowl. They went back to the Valley of Rephaim. It wasn't Baal Parism. There was no breakthrough. But they went back. And they said, we're going to try it again. And this time, they defeated the team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And they won the Orange Bowl. And from that day forward, if you said Orange Bowl to a Clemson fan, they didn't think about what happened in 2012. They thought about what happened in 2014 when they defeated Ohio State, that, there was a celebration. And if somebody said, well, what about 2012? He said, who cares about 2012? The 2014. It's no longer the valley of giants and defeat. It's the valley of victory. 
It happened, it happened in 2015 when you know, Clemson only had one championship in 1981, and now they made it. They made it to the championship, but they have to play Darth Vader, Lord Saban, and, and, the, and the, the stormtroopers. Alabama Crimson Tide. I have like one Alabama fan in this church. There they are. I knew you all were here. I knew y'all were over here. It's two of you. <laughs> Bless their hearts. <laughs> and Clemson went in. The national championship. It's been all these years, you know, 30-something years, and now, now we get a chance, and they get in there, and they gave it their best, but I guess their best wasn't good enough. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? And so Lord Saban and the stormtroopers beat them, and they lost. The national championship, and if you had said national championship to Clemson, it, it was defeat. It was the Valley of Rephaim. It was the Giants, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Crimson Tide. But what happens is the next year, they made it back. And they could have gone in there saying, but it's, it's Alabama again, and, and they beat us last time. But this time they came in with a different mindset, and, and they said, it's not going to be the Valley of Giants. It's going to be the Valley of Breakthrough. And you know the story. Deshaun Watson, with just a few seconds left, throws the ball to Hunter Renfro in the end zone. Touchdown! And we're screaming and yelling and jumping up and down in the house and going crazy. And anyway, it was just so exciting, right? And Clemson won. And you see, what does that mean? It wasn't the Valley of Giants anymore. The mighty Giants, Alabama, went down. The little Tigers who... The 2012 were kitty cats. Now the mighty Tigers, and they had won. See what I'm saying? And, and so when you start talking national championships, then you from that point they'd say national championship. Oh yeah, that's that's where we got our breakthrough. That's where we won our second. You, what about the year before? It doesn't matter about the year before. Yeah, we lost then, but we came back and we won. You say, well, Pastor, what about this past year? The best team won. But the point is, they have a mindset now that says we can win. Do you know there are a lot of believers walking around that don't know the power of God or what he can do and the devil has you? Because you, you win the battles, not out here or whatever. You win right here. The battle of the mind. You have to get it in your mind and your heart and your spirit that God is greater. Now we forget the football analogies and we go back to a God that's real and we talk about real life things. Let me tell you, God has the power to take your situation and he can overcome and take what has been defeat and turn it into victory for you to give you breakthrough. Are you hearing me this morning? Some of you have some areas in your life that you're ashamed of that drum up negative and unpleasant memories of moral and spiritual failure. But because you're going on the offensive and you're going to trust God, you're going to fast, you're going to pray, you're going to read the word. Listen, you're about to have something happen in your life so significant that every time you think about that area of your life, you're going to say that's where God broke through and gave me my victory. Come on, y'all. At least five people help me right now. It's going to be a place that you're going to rename as the place where God showed up and set you free from the sin, from the bondage, from the past, from the trial, from the self-condemnation, from the legalism, from the heartache, from the shame, from the guilt. God's going to set you free. Well, the Philistines attacked a second time. Isn't it funny how the devil, it, sometimes you think he's dumb. You think, well, just beat you once. You're going to come back here. You want another beat down? But do you know that sometimes we get a victory and then we have a short memory? Can I teach y'all something? 
I'm going to teach you something, especially if you're young or younger in the Lord. Let me teach you something. Grab a hold of this. If you pray, the old timers taught me this when I was younger. Old timers in the Lord taught me this. If you pray and God gives you a victory, so you get a healing, you get a miracle, whatever, you're going to walk in that for a few days, but the devil will come back and try to turn Baal Perism back into the Valley of the Giants. And so you'll get a healing, but some symptoms will come back. I've had that happen. You're like, wait a minute, God healed me, but oh no, it's coming back. And then you know what you start, you, you feel the symptoms and your, your faith dwindles and your doubt starts to rise. Here's what the old timers taught me. I, and I do this. I've learned to do this. It's warfare. The old timer said, oh no, when that happens, speak out loud and say, uh-uh, nope. You will not come back on me. God healed me. God touched me, God delivered me, whatever you're saying, God changed this situation, you are not going to bring this back on me. I stand in my healing or I stand in my deliverance. You have to say it. I'm standing in my victory. You will not come back. And, they, and I've had it happen to me time and again. The old timer said, if you'll do that, boom, it'll quit just like that. Well, I had some times where I've had healings and then the symptoms started. I said, oh no, and then old timers taught me in the name of Jesus, you are not coming back on me. I was there when it happened and I guess I ought to know. I got healed. I have been delivered. You will not come back. And the symptoms, boom, will go away just like that. Y'all learning something? Okay, trying to teach you here. The devil wants to turn your victory back into defeat, but you have to stand against it. So they come back a second time. And once again, they return to the Valley of Rephraim, which is now Baal Perism. David goes to the Lord. We'd say he goes to Jesus, and he said, Lord, what do we do? We're going to win? God says, Yep, you're going to beat him again. But this time, we're going to use a different tactic. Don't, Don't do a full frontal assault, line up, you know, face to face, and go at him. He said, Take the army. We're going to do a flanking maneuver and go around behind them. There's a grove, a big grove of mulberry trees. And I want you to get your army in that mulberry grove. You wait on me. And he said, when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, then you'll know that I've showed up and that's the time to advance because I'm going to be going before you. You're not going to go first. I am. You just mop up. Don't you love it when God will do the work and all you got to do is just mop up? And so David told his men, so the Philistines line up in the valley. They're on this side. There's nobody there, but they say, yeah, yeah, any moment. They'll come over the top of a hill. There's hills everywhere in Israel. They'll come over top of the hill, and they'll come in. They'll line up, and they're just all standing there waiting. Not even paying attention behind them because, see, they've, they've done this so many times, and they're riled up now because they lost. So they want to put a smack down on Israel. They want revenge. So they're all standing there. Well, they don't know that David's taking the army around behind them. And they're behind him. They sneaked around behind him. And I can, I can see them. They're down in the, in the mulberry bushes. One of his generals says, you ready to go, David, now? He said, mm-mm, got to wait. He said, what are we waiting on? He said, God. God? Yeah. Well, how are we going to know, David, when God gets here? Well, he told me there would be the sound of marching in the tops of the trees. And David's general looked at him like, you sure you that's what you heard? You might have got it wrong. Oh, no. Oh, king, 
He said, mm-mm. That's what he told me. So just wait. He said, okay. And they waited. I don't know how long they waited. I love preaching this. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, caught them off guard. They heard. of their heads. My God, anybody feel the Holy Ghost just me doing that? They heard that over the tops of their heads. And the general looked up and said, oh Lord. David, it's happening. And David grinned at him and said, we're going to win. We're going to win. And the general said, we're going to win. And all the soldiers started going, we're going to win. And David said, let's go. And they jumped up and they took off and the power of God went forward. And, and I don't know what God did to the Philistines. Maybe he put fear in their heart. Maybe, maybe they turned on each other. I don't know. But the Bible says that they went forward and God had already prepared the way and they beat the Philistines. Philistines are dying and getting wounded left and right. The army is falling back in disarray and they turn tail and they take off running. I love this. And they don't just cross the line into Philistia and, the, and Israel stopped but Israel kept chasing them into Philistia and they started taking cities and taking their land and taking what belonged to them and pushed them all the way back to old geezer. And the point is, God not only gave them back what they had, but they took back more. I just want to ask, is there anybody in this house say, Pastor, I came in this house and I am hungry for a fresh move of God in my life. I am ready for a miracle. I'm ready for deliverance. I'm ready for a deeper walk with God. I'm ready for my worship to go to another. Is anybody in this house that say, Pastor, I'm ready for God to do something beyond where I am right now. Let me see your hand in this house. Come on, stand with me all over this place. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.